0: All right. Well, if you uh, would like to, you could go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Hold your place at verses 13 through 16. We will uh, look at those verses here uh, in just a few minutes. We're in our third week of our current sermon series, Make a Difference, where we're considering ways that Christians can go about making a positive difference in the world. Two weeks ago, we talked about making a difference through kindness, and I'm sure everybody's been very kind since then. And last week, we shared about making a difference by being different, by living ethically, living morally, doing good, refusing to blend in to the culture and its lowering standards, uh, but instead choosing to be people who uphold high standards. Uh, Of course, realizing that we need the Holy Spirit's empowerment. Uh, to do that, and today I want to uh, want us to consider an opportunity we have to make a difference uh, in the lives of children. And so I've simply called today's message "Make a Difference by Investing uh, in Kids." Um, I just mentioned I feel very loud. I'll trust the sound folks to determine that, but I just thought I'd mention that. Uh, I have conflicting thoughts when I consider uh, the circumstances of kids in 2014 in our context here in the United States, which is what I have in view for this message. Uh, on the one hand, I think kids have it better and easier than they've ever had it. I um, thought I had plenty of toys as a kid. I thought I had plenty of toys as a kid, but my own kids have at least ten times uh, the, the toys that, uh, that I had. And I found out that we're not all that abnormal uh, because I see the stuff that everybody else's kids uh, have, and, and we're actually kind of modest by, by a good number of uh, comparisons. Entertainment options for kids are just so much different than they were for any of us that are over even 30 years old. Um, kids today, adults too, can't fathom things like having to wait an entire week to watch your favorite show on TV. And, and a world where you watch the show and then you can never watch that show again unless it, by just sheer chance, shows up on a rerun that you found as you were flipping channels. That kind of world to our kids probably seems to belong in a world without electricity and without running water. Uh, it's just, it's just a, a different thing that they can't uh, relate to. Uh, many parents in our day, it seems to me, are much more kid-focused uh, than they were in times past. Um, I think what's expected of kids today is is a lot different and in some ways uh, more lenient than it was in times past, especially if you go back a ways. You know, 150 years ago, uh, a 13-year-old was basically functioning as an adult, working the farm, uh, having adult responsibilities. Uh, oftentimes, no disrespect to 13-year-olds in the room, but oftentimes today, 13-year-olds need 20 minutes to work up the courage to take out the trash. And uh, can you say that without it being disrespectful? I I, I tried to. Uh, and it seems to me, and I, I recognize that I might not have all the information I need here, so so I understand this, this could seem off to a few of you, but it seems to me that even though bullying is still a concern, generally speaking, it it looks to me like schools are a little more kind and gentle places than they were 20 uh, or 30 years ago. If for no other reason than 20 or 30 years ago, the adults in the school could hit you with wooden paddles. uh, And they're not not allowed to do that uh, anymore. And so on the one hand, I think kids have it better than kids have ever had it. On the other hand, I really feel for kids today. In many ways, feel very bad for kids today because I think there are unique pressures and unique challenges to our time that make life rather difficult for kids. Kids spend much more time alone today than past generations would have ever thought appropriate for them to do. There are a lot of different reasons for that that I'm not going to go into today, uh, but but they spend a lot of time alone. Uh, technology, for all of its wonderful benefits, has left almost all of us at least partially distracted almost all of the time. And, and this has a very negative impact, I think, uh, on kids. It is very difficult for kids, and it's very difficult for adults to truly stay in the moment with the person that you are in the moment uh, with. The pace of life is faster than it has ever been. I mean, when I was a kid, I thought time literally drug. I just could not believe how slow everything went. And my own kids report to me that they can't believe how fast time goes. That That is a uh, change. I, I mean, I, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I think if you're over 30, uh, time drug for us when we were young. It's <laughs> just drug. And uh, it's not like that uh, for kids today, and I don't, I don't think that can be a good thing. Uh, today, kids are exposed to every scary thing that happens anywhere in the world almost instantaneously, uh, within a few minutes, uh, maybe a few hours at the most. This puts stress on them that we all never had to deal with. And it puts stress on all of us that we never had uh, to deal with. Um, all you have to do is talk to any school teacher. And uh, you will hear stories of kids whose uh, home life is truly heartbreaking. And they're not isolated stories, these stories are numerous. J- just, uh, it-, it is a significant. Uh, a problem in what many of us would view as good old middle America, rural counties and uh, places like Ohio, places that look like the quintessential small town America. Child and family services are overwhelmed with kids needing care because their parents are drug addicted. Small town America is ravaged by drug addiction. And and this comes crashing down uh, on kids. I can barely go out in public anymore, and maybe it's always been this way, maybe I'm just more alert to it now, I don't know, but uh, I can barely go out in public without witnessing a parent uh, publicly berating their kid, often through cursing at them. On the one hand, kids have a lot of advantages today. But on the other hand, kids have some very unique and real challenges, and in many ways, I really feel uh, for kids today. If we want to make a difference with the precious time that God gives us on this earth, in my view, there is no better way, there is no more needed way to make a difference than by investing in the lives of kids. Today we're going to take a look at a story in the Bible where Jesus and his disciples came into conflict over children. And we'll see some things from the negative example of the disciples, and then we'll see in Jesus the way that we ought to respond to kids. And then we'll look at some ways that we can uh, walk this out uh, in our own lives. So our text is Mark 10, 13 through 16. Uh, If you would follow along as I read this, I believe it will show up on the screen behind me as well. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and... Blessed them. Notice first that people were bringing their little children to Jesus to have him touch them. The idea here is that they were seeking the blessing of Jesus on their child. These people were being intentional, that they had decided that having Jesus touch and bless their child was something needed in their child's life. And because it was needed, they were willing to be intentional about getting their kids to Jesus. If we took nothing else out of this passage except for this, this passage would be worth our time. We must decide that our kids need to be touched by Jesus. And we need to be intentional about bringing kids to Jesus. This applies to our own children, and it applies to every child that God gives Vineyard Christian Church the opportunity to influence. Parents, we must be intentional about bringing our kids to Jesus, And there are a lot of ways that we can be intentional about this, uh, which when we say bringing kids to Jesus, what we're, what we're really saying is uh, ways of influencing them toward Jesus. And here are just a few examples. Pray uh, for them to know Jesus. Uh, how often are we praying for our kids? That's a valid question to ask ourselves. We probably are praying for their safety an awful lot. We're probably praying for them to have a good day an awful lot. But, but what are we praying in terms of their relationship uh, with Jesus? It's an important thing. Uh, create an environment in uh, your home where they begin connecting with Jesus at the earliest ages. This is a way uh, to be intentional. Praying at mealtime is a good intentional thing to do to put your child in touch with Jesus. Praying at bedtime, praying when they're afraid, praying when they're sick. Saturating their minds with godly messages, from God honoring music to regularly reading the Bible to them when they're young to as they get older, setting them up on a schedule where they read the Bible on their own, even something uh, as fun and enjoyable as veggie tales with the right age child uh, can help to influence a child toward Jesus. There are many ways we can be intentional about influencing our kids. For Christ. And uh, here's an important one. And of course, I'm, whenever you say this, you're almost always preaching to the choir and saying these kind of things because you're all here today. Uh, but making church a central part of kids' lives is a, is a significant way uh, that we get them in touch with Jesus, that we're intentional about bringing them to Jesus. Involvement in Christian community should not be an extraneous thing in their lives, it should be central. To life. And of course, uh, as parents, uh, guardians, uh, uh, just uh, authority figures in kids' lives, modeling Christianity in a way that makes it attractive uh, rather than uh, unattractive. So, our kids coming into contact with Jesus can't be something that we're just sort of hands off about can't be something that we're just casual about. It has to be something that we are very intentional about because we believe that coming to Jesus is in their best interest. And so we make it an intentional thing that we do. So, so these parents in our text were doing that. And they ran into some unexpected resistance. You would not think disciples of Jesus would object to anybody coming to Jesus. And yet the disciples of Jesus did object to these parents bringing their kids to him, and they actually rebuked the the parents for trying to get their kids to Jesus and bless them. This story appears in three of the four uh, Gospels, and and it doesn't entirely make it clear to us uh, why the disciples objected, but my guess is they simply saw uh, the kids as a distraction ...from what was really important. Jesus teaching and touching the adults. That's what was really uh, important. And unfortunately, that attitude can be prevalent uh, among us. That attitude can be prevalent uh, in churches. You, You know, more times than it should be the case... ...kids' ministries are seen as little more than babysitting... So that adults can worship and minister to each other. It's also sometimes sadly true that kids' ministries are looked at, looked at more as a strategy for ultimately reaching adults. If we get the kids, if the kids like it, their parents will come. Rather than being viewed as valuable for no other reason than that the kids that are touched are valuable to God. By the way, we try not to have these uh, attitudes here, and I don't mean to suggest these attitudes are held by most churches. I actually don't think they are, but these are attitudes that do exist uh, within the Christian church. And where they exist, they exist because, like the disciples of Jesus' day, people today just don't get it. They don't get how much kids matter to God. They don't get how valuable kids are to Jesus. They, they don't get the love that Jesus has for kids. They don't understand that the gospel isn't just for adults. The gospel is for kids too. Look at verse 14. When Jesus saw this, that the disciples had rebuked the parents who were uh, bringing their kids to him. When Jesus saw this, He was indignant. Indignant. That's one of those things that you usually don't think of Jesus as being. Jesus is always just nice and quiet and speaks in a whisper and all of those type things. But it says he was indignant and he said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. And, of course, I can't know this for certain, but I am always suspicious in these moments, especially when it it follows uh, something that tells us Jesus was indignant, I always suspect that Jesus was much more forceful in his presentation than we ever give him credit for. I'm convinced that we almost always hear Jesus talk in the voice of a counselor. Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. But I don't think that's it. I, I think he was probably a bit PO'd about this. He, he was unhappy about this. I think he probably spoke very forcefully. Jesus rebuked his disciples for failing to realize that kids matter to him. For failing to properly value kids. He was indignant. That is a strong word. That means that Jesus was strongly displeased with his disciples. He wasn't a little annoyed. He wasn't slightly troubled. He was strongly displeased. When we fail to properly value children, when we fail to realize how valuable they are to Jesus, when we fail to respond to them in light of how valuable they are to him, he is strongly displeased. So in the disciples, we see a wrong response to kids. But in Jesus, we see a right response to kids. We find the attitude toward kids that pleases God. Jesus responds so differently than the disciples. He says, let them come to me. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus wants kids brought to him. And he wants people to know that his kingdom is for kids. As Christ's hands and feet in the world today, individual Christians and churches need to have this attitude toward kids. Bring them to us. The kingdom of God belongs to them. It is for them. And we're trying to walk this out here at Vineyard Christian Church. We certainly don't do it perfectly, but we are trying to walk this out. We have stressed the importance of ministering to kids and just the value of kids since our very first uh, early moments of our, our church. We have noted repeatedly here that if you want to be active in evangelism, you should make a priority of serving in kids' ministry. That's where most evangelism happens. If you want to be an evangelist, that's where you should go. From the beginning, we have had consistent leadership in in place uh, for our kids from nursery through elementary school, and that consistent leadership has been uh, Tirza Hammond and many that have uh, come around her and been a part of her team. Over the years, we have added uh, ministry leaders uh, focusing on various ages for uh, our kids, to where now we have consistent leadership in place to minister to kids of all ages. For a long time, we had gaps in how we were able to minister to kids, but there aren't any gaps anymore. Uh, From from birth to graduation, we are ministering to all ages uh, of kids. And and we're beginning to raise the bar as a church in the way that we together are going to value and minister uh, to kids. We're asking connect groups. This is something we've never done before. We are asking connect groups to make space for kids, giving at least occasional uh, attention and inclusion to kids within the life of the group. We've recently asked parents that place their kids into flight school to begin serving in flight school so that we can serve the kids of the church better. We want to be like Jesus. Let the kids come to us. The kingdom of God belongs to them. Now, it's not the emphasis of today's sermon, but uh, I, I feel like I need to briefly mention verse 15. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never uh, enter it. In the midst of responding to children, demonstrating how valuable kids are to him, Jesus uses them as an example of how we must all come to God, the posture that we must have when we approach God and desire to enter into his kingdom. The key thing I think uh, we're to take from this uh, is not, uh, you know, we often talk about the innocence of kids here and these different things, but I don't think that's so much what Jesus has in view. I think what's in view is their lack of power. They are in need of help for absolutely everything. Kids are not self-sufficient. Jesus is saying that we must receive the kingdom of God like a child. We must come to him aware of our powerlessness, aware of our need for God's help. We can't come to God in a self-sufficient way. We always approach God in a posture of neediness because before God, that is our true condition. That, that's what Jesus meant by saying we must enter his kingdom as little children. And If you're someone here today uh, who is considering uh, turning to Christ in faith, this is the posture you must come. You, you don't come touting your credentials before God. You come recognizing your need of God, your need of God's grace. Come recognizing that you have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. You come in a posture of neediness. You come in a posture of requesting grace uh, and mercy. Notice now what Jesus does. He's already instructed that the children are allowed to come to him. Then verse 16 tells us, he took the children in his arms. As the children come to Jesus, he doesn't just pat them on the head, but he takes them in his arms, he embraces them. Imagine that scene uh, in your mind's eye. That's That's a beautiful scene. Uh, Most of us have had the experience of having a child, uh, of course our our own, but often other children as well, come to us and receive an embrace from us. It's a special moment uh, when that happens. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was out in the foyer, and uh, my little nephew Noah was out there. And uh, so I kneeled down and put my arms out like this and said, Noah, come here. And uh, Noah wouldn't come. Noah, <laughs> Noah, Noah, Noah rejected me. But all of a sudden, uh, Zayden, the, the Maringer's little guy that many of you know, Zayden just came running from somewhere off to the side and gave me a big old hug. It was one of the sweetest moments I've ever had. It was just so, so precious. I can't tell you how much I loved That moment, Jesus knows what that moment is like. I can just imagine as he's kneeling down, waiting to embrace, just kids from everywhere running to try to to grab that embrace. Jesus embraced kids. Of course, we're to literally embrace kids as appropriate, but figuratively, we need to embrace kids by making room for them, by ministering to them, by valuing them, by doing what we can. To help them connect with Jesus. Jesus embraced the kids. And then verse 16 says. He put his hands on them. And blessed them. If we're going to be like Jesus. We need to be people who bless kids. How can we be a blessing to kids? Well when Collier gives a good definition of blessing. Which I think is helpful here. He writes. In biblical terms to bless. Is to declare God's truth into someone's life. And to announce God as the gracious, sovereign Lord who intends to flood His children with goodness and joy. I would maybe add to that just a little bit and and say this. To bless is to declare with our words God's truth into someone's life. And to announce God as the gracious, sovereign Lord who intends to flood His children with goodness and joy. And to demonstrate the truthfulness of our declaration through our actions. So we bless kids by declaring God's good intentions for them, and by demonstrating God's good intentions for them through our actions toward them. And friends, we have many opportunities to make a difference by investing in kids, to be a blessing to kids. And I just uh, want to mention a few of those here today. First of all, parents, this is obvious, but your first and greatest obligation is to your own kids. It's not your only obligation, but it is your first obligation. This is where you have the greatest influence and generally where you can make the biggest difference. Are you fully investing in your own kids? Now, I want to be clear about a few things. Fully investing in your own kids does not mean that you make your kids the center of the universe, it does not mean that you fulfill every want that they ever express. It doesn't mean that you bankrupt yourself trying to get them everything that they see on TV. It doesn't mean that you elevate your kid to most important person in the universe. It doesn't mean that. The sad truth is that many of us have made idols of our kids. And while it seems like an acceptable form of idolatry, it isn't. But are you doing all you can to make a difference for your kids... In the ways that matter most that matter most, are you actively guiding them and learning to make decisions that will serve their, their well-being throughout their lives? Are you declaring God's truth into their lives? Are you announcing and demonstrating God's good intentions toward them? Here's a question that I think all of us should ask ourselves: Is my child better off emotionally or worse off emotionally? Because of me. I uh, I watched a mother this week scream curses at a little uh, four-year-old girl outside uh, Target. And I could only imagine the emotional damage that was being done uh, to that little girl. Are you making time for your kids? And I don't just mean uh, all the time that you're frantically running them from one activity to another. That's not That's not what I mean. Are you ever just with your child in an unrushed way? Do do you ever just sit down and talk about the things that matter? Your first obligation, parent, is to invest in your own kids in a way that makes a difference. I've mentioned parents. Now let me mention grandparents. Someone laughed. (laughs) You, You have an obligation. You have an obligation, to the extent appropriate within your family dynamics, to make a difference by investing in your grandkids. Are you? Now, I have to say, it's not been frequently, but I have occasionally heard grandparents say this, I did my time with my own kids. (laughs) Now they're going to have to figure it out on their own, talking about their, their kids, Again, you have to factor in what's appropriate within the family dynamics. Not, not many parents want their their parents, uh, you know, like meddling. So you have to figure that out. But grandparents, you can make a huge difference in the lives of your grandkids. Don't squander that opportunity. Don't just say, "Hey, it's on my kids. They they, they have to deal with their own children." No, you can make a difference. Be intentional. I think this extends to uh, other family members as well, our extended family aunts and uncles and cousins. We ought to view every child within our biological family as a kid whose life we can impact for the good. So it starts in your own house. Then the next place we should look to make a difference is by investing in kids within our church family, our church community. I, I know I say this a lot, Uh, So I'm not going to spend much time here. But friends, I don't think there should ever be an adult who says of the opportunity to invest in kids, well, that's just not my thing. Well, then make it your thing. Make it your thing. See, here's something that is true about Christianity that not many people will say anymore. Christianity isn't always about Doing your thing. We have been convinced that Christianity is about just becoming the best us we can be. Making ourselves happy and happy and happy and happy. All the time. And the move in the last couple of decades, some of you may disagree with me about this, but the move in the last couple decades that has convinced Christians they only need to ever do anything if it's in their area of giftedness and really floats their boat... Has been a very unfortunate development. Here's the thing about God. He can give us the grace to do things that don't float our boat. But that we ought to do because they're good and right and needed. Amen. 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 (laughs) There are many ways to bless kids within our church family. But a good place to start is simply by serving them within the context of our kid and student ministries. Many of you do that, and we thank you so much for that. We hope that more and more people uh, will will get a heart for kids and say, yes, I am willing to help serve kids. Now, I need to wrap this up, but let me just mention a few ways that we can invest in kids uh, beyond this. We need to invest in kids in our larger community. This is something that I have seen a great deal of coming out of this church, and and I'm so thankful for these things. Things like coaching in athletic leagues, participating in tutoring programs. Uh, These are great ways that we can be a blessing and influence kids in our community. Being the mom or dad that hosts your kids' friends. Uh, my, my kids won't let us host anything, but if your kids will let you host something, uh, we're, we're too embarrassing. So uh, if your kids will let you host, be the parents who host things. Uh, be the parents who drive the kids around, take them to and from events. They will let us do that. Um, all of these kind of things are good investments in and of themselves, but often what they'll do is they'll set you up with the opportunity to invest in even more meaningful ways. I can't talk about investing in kids without at least mentioning foster parenting and adoption. Uh, we have families in this church that have done one or both of these things. And friends, this makes an amazing difference in the world. It makes a huge difference. If you've uh, been considering becoming a foster parent or being uh, considering adopting, perhaps today God is wanting to use this message to nudge you Uh, past consideration to the point of actually taking action. Uh, Michelle and I have a a beautiful uh, little niece uh, who was adopted from China. She was found under a bridge. Today she is a part of our family, precious, beautiful. A real difference has been made in her life. It's an amazing opportunity. Let's not be like the disciples Jesus rebuked, but let's follow the example of Jesus. Let's individually and as a church welcome the children to come to us, embrace them, and bless them. Do you want to make a difference in the world? If you do, one of the greatest things you can do is invest in kids. Why don't you stand